Welcome to Discover Healthier. Everything you need to know about health brought to you by Discovery Health. I'm Azania Musaka. You can join the conversation as we explore some of the most pressing matters in the healthcare environment today. A wide variety of topics and specialist guests will empower you to care for your health now and in the future. I've interviewed many remarkable individuals in my career as a broadcaster, people whose passion for life and compassion for others leaves an indelible mark on your soul. That's exactly what I felt when I met the lone nurse who managed to create and to rally the support needed to sustain an impressive network of clinics which are dedicated to the health care needs of thousands of farm workers. Now that woman is Christine Dupreer, and I'm talking about her award-winning healthcare project, which is called the Thlokomela Health Project, which in Sebedi simply means to care. This project was founded in 2005, and one of Thlokomela's greatest supporters to date has been the Discovery Fund. We'll hear all about the support and also find out the results of Wits University's research into Thlokomela's remarkable success and how this can be applied at scale. Well, Christine, I think it's safe to say that your compassion is truly to be admired. What led you to starting Lokomela? You know what? Um, in 1990, we moved to Hootsprite. My husband started working there, and I realized that farm workers really need a service because there was really no service. There's really nothing going on the farms, and the health issues was severe. So what but I you had did, a job at the time. Yes, I worked for the Department of Health and I started in Hootsprite different clinics, the Willows, the Oaks Clinic, Hootsprite Clinic, several clinics. And then in those years you could ask the Department of Health for work outside the government. So I got a letter and I went to one of the farms, Richmond Estate, still there, and I said, listen here, I want every morning half past five, I'm willing to come here and do primary health care for your staff. Yes. So that is how it started. And then... Um, was this just to give back or did, you, did yes. you notice a need? On that stage, it was really just, I want to give back. But I also realized things are not okay on farms. I mm. mean, that's 1990. What was happening on the farms? When I started the clinic, I realized, oh, but people are dying. And it was seven to ten years. And so I had a whole list of names, about 25 then. That's really sick, and I, I just didn't know what it is. Remember, we didn't know HIV then. And also remember Department of Health on the stage um, didn't give even ARVs. Mm-hmm. So I was really worried. But for years, from 1990 to 2002, I was really struggling because people were dying. Yeah. And then in those years from till 2002, there's several farmers that asked me, can we st- I please start a clinic on their farm? So it was Maripscope, it was in the Tamavati lodges. And Were there poor public provisions in the area at the time? Yes, there wasn't. Remember, I started some of the government clinics. There wasn't clinics mm. those years, remember. So government started then with clinics and the idea was every five kilos, remember, that you can have a clinic. Yeah. So in 2002, I decided, you know what, I think I must just do my own thing. And then in 2003, IOM, International Organization for Migration, came. And I said, listen, yeah, we really like what you're doing. Because remember in this, from 1990, I also had caregivers. We call them nompilos. Yes. 
So the Nupilos, there's still some Nupilos with me now. That's from 1990. That you started with. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, they're also old like me now. <laughs> <laughs> International Organization for Migration came to me and said, listen, we want to do some research about condom use on, for farm workers. Mm-hmm. And then after the research, they said, listen, yeah, there's a big need for us to be on the farms. So they wanted to fund me, but I must have an NGO. So that's why we started to spread training trust in those years, because there was already a bank account. There was lots of logistics. So that's why we say, okay, we will use to spread training trust. And then IOM started to fund me for migrants and for farm workers. Mm. On the farms, there's lots of migrants, so there's different migrants. So if you are from the Free State coming to Mapumalanga or Limpopo, you're a migrant. There's also from Zimbabwe and Mozambique. So cross-border and internal, yes. and because it's seasonal work. Yes, our areas, mangoes, citrus. Yes. Yeah, so that is why there's lots of pickers also from the migrants. Mm-hmm. Then in 2007, really, I couldn't stand anymore that people are dying. So then I went to write to care in Joburg. It's also a big NGO. Yeah. And I heard that they got money from USAID for ARVs. Then I started with ARVs, couriered from Joburg to spread for me. Mm. So only through write to care USAID I could get the ARVs, but they, I started with 50 patients. Mm. So every month they sent me the ARVs. And in 2010... Department of Health came to me and they said, listen here, government must start with ARVs now. So tell us how you did it, because we need to do ARVs on all the clinics in Limpopo. Mm-hmm. So they did an accreditation for me already in 2010, before any government clinics then was accredited. And then we started, and then in Luwood Care Group and myself decided to have one contract with Department of Health. So they paid us the human resource and also the ARVs, blood tests, and basic primary health care medication. Right. So that was wonderful. And then what happened then, two years ago, the Department of Health said that they can't go on with, with the programs. Yeah. Were they the, your, your key funders up until two years ago? Department of Health, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Discovery was my funder already from 2010. It's, it's quite a strange thing how they get to me. They called me to say they're flying to Woodsbright because they want to fund me. They're looking for programs. So they always laugh because I sat there and I said, why will you come to Woodsbright? Why do you want to fund me? You know, what can you get out of it? I'm sure that's not a standard reaction from someone who is offered funding. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it was strange for me. Yes. I mean, I were not used to big corporates that will fund me. Mm. So that's so they really found strange. you. They found me. I think maybe they Google us in Limpopo yes. or something like that. Yeah. But I didn't know Discovery really then. Mm. And then I applied and they really one of our big partners. And so two years ago, the Department of Health in Limbobo mm. pulls out of the program. What did that mean for your ability to be able to provide the much needed health care you were providing? Because by then your network had grown quite extensively, hadn't it? Yeah, you know what? I was very disappointed because remember when we started in 2008, IOM did the prevalence survey for us and then it was 29% HIV positive in our area. And I was really worried what now. And then Department of Health, I started negotiating with them. 
So on this stage, they're giving me all the ARVs, some primary health care and also the blood tests, mm. but no human resource. And then I went to Ruth, a discovery, and I said, listen here, I have a choice now. I must close the clinics. Mm. Um, on this stage, we have 10 clinics. I said, I, I, I will need to close the clinics. And she said, no, you can't. I said, you know what? If this not a sustainable thing, we can never go on. Mm. You know, we, we need to be sustainable. And at that point, what is the range of services you were providing the people of Woodspread? We have 10 clinics, and there we do primary health care, also IRVs, HIV. And part of this program is the Victim Empowerment Program. And on this stage, we have a very big women's clinic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the, also with the help of Breast Health Foundation and Discovery, you know, for the first time ever, a farm worker that has breast cancer can be treated. So the Breast Cancer Foundation will pay the tickets to Helen Joseph. We send in. There's already 12 that had chemo and mastectomies. Um, that is a great thing for me, the fact that farm workers had the opportunity now. So here you are. The Department of Health pulls out in, uh, two years ago, and there's a real risk that this range of services will be wiped out, will disappear from the lives of these people. That sounds very desperate. But, you know, I'm quite positive because Discovery, myself and Discovery, went to one other corporate at Cock Ingram, and they said, listen, yeah, we will also give you some funding. So really that was our help for the human resource. And then we sat down and our media and marketing guy, MJ, said, you know what, there's a, maybe a way that we can do it through cards. A card is like a medical card for the farmer mm -hmm. that they can put some money on. You know, that was just an idea. Um, you put money in, it's just 10,000, and then the farm worker will come to the clinic and swipe. Right. And that is why we, we went to Discovery. First, the research to say, listen here, what is the cost really? Because that is something I didn't know. Christine is referring to eye-opening research that Wits University did on the Tlokomela project. We will chat to Dr. Jackie Mio later in this podcast to find out more about this. For now, it's back to Christine to explain what it takes to care for each farm worker. We buy medication ourselves. There's lots of medication that I'm buying myself through funding, mm -hmm. you know, and not only funding that I get, but we have a herb garden, we're selling herbs. Yeah, so we try to get money. In different but streams it, but of it's revenue. Not, yeah, yeah. But it's not sustainable because really, of course, government is for free. It's really difficult for farm workers and farmers to think, why must they pay? But, you know, after the research, they were all positive and realized that it's really a quality service. Patients are more productive. They're farm workers. You know, they don't need to wait too long. There's a wonderful project, Sema Foundation, that there's volunteer doctors from all over South Africa and overseas. So almost every week we have about one to three doctors and specialists that can see the farm workers. So everything for the farm workers, you know, it's really a quality service. It is a quality service from what I've seen, but tell me about the work that you do beyond that, because it's not just farm worker facing, you also go out into the community. There's an important 
aspect to education that is part of of your efforts. What is the power of peer education? Yeah, I think for me, the peer educators, the, the non-peelers are really the core business of Rukumela. Mm. Without that 91 caregivers, we will never do what we do. For example, every month they're coming together and we train them on, for example, if it's TB month, we will talk about TB this 25 November to 10 of December. Yes, yeah, 16 uh, days 16, of Yeah, December. so we really use all this opportunities and they go after that training they will go back to the farm and they will really um, have groups and they will also refer people to us they are really the people that talk the language of the farm worker Mm -hmm. and come back to us and tell us what is the problem and you know through this whole project we also realize there's lots of sex workers Mm -hmm. because in the beginning years that supervisors were really having sex with them over lunchtime for a job. So that was really things that we had to talk to the women. Mostly, I think there's about 15 men, numpilos, and the others are all women. So you see, there are a lot of harsh realities yeah. to life that you see out there. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't easy. But I must be honest, they start speaking out, the numpilos, and they will tell you now, you know, and we go to the former and say, listen, yeah, you have a problem with your farm. I mean, you know, there's even gambling mm-hmm. problems. So they will come, the non with all those problems and say, listen, yeah, please help this farm because, you know, they just use all their money gambling every night. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different things that's happening. It's not only HIV. And you know what? The, the new, we rather talk about diabetes now and, and hypertension. So it's, it's, it's big now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this journey, you've walked it with discovery. You turned to them when a big funder pulled out and you are much further the nature of the relationship. Talk to me about how it's evolved and where we are presently. You know, for maybe first to say that sustainability, that's, that's important. But for me, sustainability is not only money. Sustainability is really our caregivers and our numpilos our staff, our staff is passionate and you have a culture of caring at Glokumela. If you're not part of that, you, you don't last. But the problem... What's your tagline again? About each farm worker caring for another. Uh, yeah, um, farm workers care for each other. Farm workers care for each other. Imagine a linkage that yeah. this community is just made up of these linkages through and with Glokumela at the heart. So it's yeah. important for the Nompilos, the staff, to be able to continue with what they do. Yeah. You know what? Um, two years ago when I said we must close, I thought, you know, afterwards I thought, what will happen in Woodsprite, yeah. our area? Um, I can't imagine it now, but even just the people that have jobs now, they're 75, and, you know, they are looking after several people, all the farm workers' health, the farmers. So I really think... Um, that will be lost if we do that. So yeah. that is why we just go on. And, and with the help of Discovery, I really think after this research that people get a way to really pay, you know, to get funding to mm-hmm. pay for all the services. Mm-hmm. What have been your successes over the years? What do you count as your successes? You know what? The, the non is my successes. I, I really think the fact that they... 
They're so humble. You know what? If if I always think when they started, they didn't have a self-image really because they were thinking they're just a picker and a farm worker and they will never ever even tell some of their family members that they're working on the farms. And suddenly after these years, you know, the other day, I think it was Discovery team that came to take pictures. They said, but this doesn't look like farm workers if they go to the buses. They're smart. And they're really proud of themselves now. They, I can't tell you how it was in 1990. And suddenly now, they, I'm so proud of all the Numpilas and farm workers and the women. You know, they, they're strong now. Stigma in the area has, it's perhaps still there, but is lessened as far as HIV and AIDS infections yeah. are concerned. You know what, everybody is asking me, why, you know, people really testing there. I'm telling you, if you walk, walk in town, then I will say, listen here, we know you're coming to the farm again to test. And the stigma really, it isn't there anymore. Mm. I think really, maybe... 99% of people know their HIV status. 99%? Yeah. People really know their status and we don't get lots of positives. Even with the sex workers now, we're testing, testing, testing. And I think because of all the awareness, that is, you know, I take it for granted that people are testing. And some of my HDS counselors said to me they went to some other areas in Akanuk and they said you know what I don't think you have an idea what is happening with spread people don't want to test in Akanuk mm. just for example mm. but really in Hootspread people are testing so yes I think it's a positive What are the lessons that you've learned? Lessons learned was you must have passion it doesn't matter what you know and you must care for farm workers it doesn't matter what lesson learned is that you know money is important <laughs> You don't want to, to tell people that money is important, but funding is important. And really the wonderful partnerships of, you know, networking and people that really care for Krokomela. It's not only us, but funders. And really that is lessons learned that you must just have a, a good relationship with your funders and you do have it when you do the right thing. Where did this love of service, this instinct to serve come from? Okay, maybe if, if I must be honest, in standard two, I had a, like a concert for my friends. And then the first five rand that I got from that day, I gave to Winburg, in the free state, to one of the orphanage. Yes. And then my father was a doctor and he was really passionate and I think I just got it from him. You watched him yeah. help a lot of people. Yeah, at night, um, several evenings at night, they were knocking at my window because I didn't know where the narco is. So then they will, you know, and I will wake my father because he also have surgery at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that is really, I just saw him and my mother was also a nurse. So that's part of my life. Christine and her Nombilos are truly an inspiration. But let's understand, try and understand what the value of sustainable corporate social investment models can be and the impact it can have in our society. And joining us now is the head of corporate sustainability at Discovery, Ruth Lewin. Ruth, it's a pleasure to have you here because I want us to almost lift ourselves out of the Fokomela example 
and look at it from a bird's eye perspective about all the various aspects and the levels of impact that it's having in that community. It's achieved fantastic results. And it's a program that desperately needs further support in a community that desperately needs healthcare. But when it comes to funding, it can be quite tricky. What is so unique about this particular program and how it has been structured and funded? Good afternoon, Azania, and thanks for, for this opportunity. I think we being corporates, and I work for Discovery, we have a unique opportunity and responsibility to invest in society in a responsible way. And I think that's what we find so exciting about working with the Hlokomela Health Project in Hoodspreit. Mm. Because here you've got a project that in about 2012, 2013, realizes that there are way too many people dying of HIV, of AIDS, and that a response is required. The response isn't coming from government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, wherever this person, Christine Dupree, is located, she's seeing us on the farm where she lives. She's a qualified registered nurse. And so she finds that the prevalence rate of HIV is astonishing, sitting Mm -hmm. at 29%. And she feels that an urgent response purely at a primary health care level and giving people access to good quality health care is absolutely critical. And so she starts giving all these employees on these farms access to health care and in a very dignified way. And she brings down the prevalent rate over the years to where it is now sitting between 7 and 9%. Now, as a funder, we can either sit there and provide funding opportunities when we are approached, or we can actually get involved and say, there's something here mm-hmm. which is really exciting. It's a model of healthcare, mm-hmm. which is a very simple primary healthcare model, but it clearly works. So how do we encourage and help this project to grow, to be able to get onto other farms and provide other farm workers and also to enhance the services. And I think that's the challenge that we face as a corporate. So what you're saying is that corporates then, as a means of giving support to these types of projects, shouldn't just sign a check that it is best when you get involved. But What kind of involvement are you talking about? You even used your hands to gesture that you are kneading the dough. You know, you're getting into the soil to work the soil. So it means getting down and dirty and in the game, have your stake in the game as well. Exactly. I think firstly, you need to have a clear focus area. We've got three focus areas within the primary healthcare space. Maternal and child health is one. The second is human resources for health towards strengthening the healthcare system. That's the second focus area. And then the third is community health, which is largely where the Hlokomela project would fit, but obviously also within the maternal and child health space. So that's very useful because then you can absolutely direct your focus on good projects, where it's working and what you're working towards. So at the heart of your social involvement, you should have a very strong core proposition. Exactly. Almost like a very clear north about what you are doing. Exactly. As a business, Mm. what is our social value proposition? We say that we must be a force for social good. Then how do you give life to that in every element of what we do, whether you are working in the business purely or whether you are working in a CSI program like I do? I really believe that it's absolutely important for me not to sit in my beautiful aluminium and glass office in Santon. Exactly. And that I have to go out 
into those projects, into those areas to understand what the conditions are like, both for the patient who's receiving the treatment and for the person who's working in those projects. Oh, my goodness, Ruth. I heard a, a whole CEO not too long ago, I won't mention the organization, wax lyrical and really talk beautifully about the involvement in a project but he then mentioned the town that it's in but said I don't even know where this town is so it bears testament that you have to witness it with your own eyes because you see it's that witness that you talk about that experience that opens your eyes to other opportunities so for example on a visit to Glokomela I saw for the first time that they now had a wellness, a women's wellness facility. And I looked at this and I thought, isn't this just amazing? Deep in the bush, there's a women's wellness facility where farm worker women can now come and have their breasts examined. Mm. And separately from Glokomela, we fund Professor Carol Ben's facility, the Breast Health Foundation at Helen Joseph Hospital. And we've been very engaged with them too. So I thought, this is a Absolute win-win here. We have to put them together. We don't have to fund them. We just have to put them in touch with each other, which is exactly what we did when we got back. Mm. And immediately they had identified, I think it was 12 women who needed breast surgery for breast cancer that had been picked up. Because of that engagement, it has resulted in a whole process of research, bringing services instead of having all these women travel all the way to Johannesburg, then traveling back to Hoodspreit, feeling ill because of chemotherapy that they are on, and rather have the services in Tinswalo. And so Christine's patients do not have to travel five, six hours on a taxi. But that is what comes about when you engage directly. And I think it's because of that strong relationship that Christine and I have developed, brought her to my office one day and said, you've got to help me. I can't sit with this problem on my own. I'm worried because a big international agency has withdrawn funding. And if I don't continue in the way that I'm currently operating with the right amount of funding, then I'm going to go right back to the 29% prevalence rate. And I can't afford to do that to the people I serve. And so started the process of putting... So you were already involved, but when this funder pulled out, you geared up and got more involved and the nature of your involvement also evolved. Exactly. And so it multiplies. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, you've got the breast health thing happening. We've got our involvement with Locomela anyway, but now you're also doing the study to look at how we can have a more sustainable funding model for Locomela, which can make them more sustainable in the long term, but also... The model of healthcare works. So from Discovery's perspective, Ruth, why was it important to commission Jackie to do this research? So we really support good models of healthcare delivery. And Flocomela is one of those outstanding models of good healthcare, good quality healthcare delivery, right? And so Christine was faced with this difficulty because she was so successful. Funders were saying, I'm going to, we're going to withdraw our funding and go somewhere else because you are on the road to, you know, doing great things. But in fact, the converse could be said. Once you withdraw big amounts of funding, you aren't able to continue the kind of quality of care that you have set out to do and yet you mm-hmm. have been doing. And so she came to me and said, with these funders now threatening to withdraw, I'm going to go right back to my 29% prevalence rate. Can you help me resolve the issue of finding a more sustainable funding model? 
Yes, there is this corporate here in Johannesburg getting involved. There is a healthcare program in the rural areas of South Africa in Hootsbreed. So these are obviously very important partners. But at the same time, there's a greater role that can be played by that community and certain members of that community. What is the role of the employer in this case, of the farm owner in this case? Is there also an expectation that employers should also get involved, that they have a part to play? The very fact that currently Hlokomela operates on 78 farms is because those farmers as employers have given Hlokomela access. So in some cases it's a mobile facility, in other cases it's a permanent facility that is built on the farm so that farm workers can get access. And I think that is a story in itself because I think very often we have such a negative kind of view of farmers as an employer But in fact, I recently, through Christine, met a farmer that really inspired me. I mean, he was basically saying, when are you coming to my farm? I'm prepared to make a contribution. And I pay my employees, my farm workers, a living wage. They can also contribute. He says they've got a pension fund. You know, all that we need is to actually put it together and see how we contribute and and ensure that they get good quality access. Can the simple model that the Sokomela project is based on be scaled to solve healthcare challenges across the country and beyond? Well, the Discovery Fund commissioned Wits University and Dr. Jackie Mio to answer that question. Well, we expand the conversation by looking at the effectiveness of the Hlokomela project and how it can actually be scaled. And to help us and guide us through this part, we've invited Dr. Jackie Mio. She's a division director at Health Economics and Epidemiology Research Office. So, Jackie, thank you for coming in. That's a pleasure. You were brought into this to do very fascinating research on Hlokomela. What did you learn through the process? Well, I think we, I mean, we learned a lot. It was a very interesting piece of research. Mm. We came in to look at how you could make this model sustainable financially and, and in other ways. And what we came away with was a, a much better insight of who the people were at Lokomela who were accessing the healthcare and also around who the, their employers were as well and how they, particularly the employers, felt that it was really important to support their employees by providing access to health care. So this concept of, of social good and social capital came through very strongly. Yes. Um, farmers were very willing to provide financial support or other kinds of support to their workers because they felt that having a healthy workforce made them more productive, so it was also to their, their own benefit. Help us understand this model. What are its pillars? What are its Distinguishing features. So the model is really a series of of inputs of information, and um, it's kind of built up of different spreadsheets. What we needed to understand was who were the people, or who would be the type of patients who are accessing healthcare, what kind of conditions they have, whether they're old, young, male, female. Um, more about the patients, what's their income status, are they employed, unemployed, mm-hmm. and then what the costs of their health care were. So if a model like Hlokomela is to be expanded, we need to understand if you're providing services for HIV, how much does it actually cost? Because if you want to break even, 
you need to, you know, it's, it's part of the business model. Mm. So those were some of the inputs that we put into the model. And really, there were a whole lot of levers that you could pull. So you could say, well, if we had lots of people who came in uh, for these conditions, or there were more women or more men, or the farmers were willing to pay this amount or contribute. So all these different levers, which would then produce a series of answers that would say, if you want to have a sustainable model in any kind of setting, whether it's in the Chlokomela setting or another farm setting, these are the number of, of patients you need to see. This is the kind of amount of money you might need to charge. This is where you need to get donor support from. Um, this is how much you would be looking at spending on medicines. So it gives a very comprehensive picture of all the different components that are required mm-hmm. to keep a product like this going in, in a particular setting. So it helps, I think, certainly with the business planning as well. So Lokomela is located in, in Hootsbridge, mm. and it's a community with its own uh, features. Mm. And really the question is, is this model scalable, and is it possible to apply it in other communities? Definitely. I think the components are, are sort of remain the same. It's just they differ in quantum or... Uh, or type. So in any kind of other setting, you would still need to know who are the patients and what kind of conditions are they coming for. What the Glokomela model did was it provided us some insights as to what were the important key points in making the model work or not work. Um, so you'd have to look in another community and you have to do some background research what are the costs of their services? Um, what are their big health issues? You know, what, what is the profile of the employers and their willingness to contribute? Mm. So, so you have to do more, or you need to gather more information, but it is broadly applicable, I think, certainly in the agricultural sector. Jackie, can you unpack how scalable this model is? Well, you could put this model into a single farm for a single farmer who wants to provide healthcare services. And, and I would, I mean, you're not looking at the small, medium farmers. You're talking about the big commercial farmers, the mega farmers. They could apply this simply into their own farming setup. I think that in terms of scaling it out to bigger operations, we were working with um, AgriSA. I think they've been very involved in the whole Discovery Glocomela initiative. And there may be an opportunity to take it out more broadly there. You know, patients are patients, and um, any healthcare facility is, I mean, they do differ in, in, in certain components, but the reality is healthcare costs, you have the same components. You have medicines, you have lab tests, you have time of the healthcare professional. So all of those inputs that we used in the model, mm. you could use, you know, in many other places. And in fact, at the work that we do at Hero, we use similar kind of model structures when we're looking at costing in primary health care, whether it's in HIV or mental health or, you know, the non-communicable diseases, it's all still applicable. Is it easy, though? Is it easy to use? It's not that difficult to use. The complication, or should I say the challenge, is always in collecting the data. So we literally had researchers on the ground in Klokomela, going through paper registers, counting numbers of patients, counting, you know, what medicines were dispensed to these patients. So that's quite resource intensive. But one of the recommendations that we made to Klokomela is to have an electronic system of capturing this kind of information. It makes it so much easier, mm. um, you know, because then you can just draw on a database rather than going through through paper systems. So any whether it's an agricultural hospitality organization that has that information easily to hand, 
could put it into the model pretty quickly. I mean, I think that it would take probably a couple of days, weeks maybe to collect the information, but to run the model could take you half a day. That's incredible. So you create it and then the user mm-hmm. is able to input uh, small amounts of information as they go along. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Mm, sounds pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, I think once you know what's needed and where to find the information, then it's really not that difficult to put it into the model. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that is, is more difficult to anticipate is what the uptake would be if you change the funding approach. So if you start asking uh, workers to pay for, you know, whether it's a small co-payment, how will that shift things? Will they access the care less or, you know, so there's a point where the balance is just mm. right, where the balance of from the different role players is just right, and the point where it can tip yeah. um, if you change a number of these factors. Very much so. So we always had this kind of break-even point where if you had more patients, fewer patients, more the amounts that the farmers were willing to pay, one of the things we built into the model is what we called no fees. So there's always people who are going to come to a clinic who can't afford the health care, and it's really hard to turn them away. I mean, I know that Lokomir really struggles with that. So we even built that in so that there's a proportion of people who just simply are going to have to provide that health care to them for free. Obviously, there's still a cost to the clinic. Mm. Um, so anticipating that is a little more tricky because you don't really know exactly how they're all going to balance out. Mm. But you can start and then put the numbers in and see how it, see how it plays out. Right. Let's, let's zone in a little bit more mm. in the agricultural sector. In fact, uh, if we look at rural communities mm. and their particular vulnerabilities, because it also allows us to glean into why uh, the services that Lokomela provides are mm. so successful. So I think one of the keys to their success is that they have these satellite clinics. So they have their three main kind of bricks and mortar clinics, and then they do a lot of outreach work. So they go out to the farms, and the farms know that the Glokomela is coming on a Wednesday and that they can access their family planning, they can get their HIV medicines, they can, you know, there's a whole lot of things that can happen. One of the things that Glokomela also provides services to the hospitality industry. So there are lots of lodges in the Hutzbrecht area, which are also kind of miles away from anywhere. So a lot of their staff access those services. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just agricultural. I think the concept of it being difficult to access health care. Right. Um, Why are farm workers vulnerable? Farm workers are particularly vulnerable because often they're seasonal. So they'll come in to pick mangoes. Um, for a particular period of time and then they are no longer needed. So then they either stop working or they move on to another farm. Mm. So they don't have permanent employment. They don't have access to the kind of benefits one would have. Mm. Um, they're also working often in far-flung areas. So for them, if they're sick and they need to access healthcare, they have to take a whole day off work. Mm. They can't just go down to the clinic and come back. Um, they are also a lot of migrational workers in farming, and um, they are, again, a particularly vulnerable population from the perspective of that they're far from home. There's also a whole sex worker population that kind of follows that as well, and that makes them particularly vulnerable to things like HIV-AIDS. Mm. So now that you've created this model, what does it mean for other community healthcare projects? 
Well, I think that they, I mean, it's something that they could use. It's not a particularly complicated model. Um, Which is fantastic, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's something that, that we could quite easily explain to anyone who's willing to take it up. Mm. Um, and I think what would be important is adapting it to the needs of right. whichever community it is. Mm -hmm. In Shlokomela, in for example, they've been dependent on a number of different financial inputs or incomes, whether it's from government or from funders like USAID. Um, Discovery is very much one of their key funders. So the inputs of what income is required is quite specific to each situation or to each scenario. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not terribly complicated to work out the numbers <laughs> right. and put them into the model. <laughs> yeah. um, and if we look at the country broadly speaking, mm. what are the benefits, especially from an, a disease epidemiology perspective? I think the benefits are that there are many different types of these kinds of scenarios where um, – particularly in the farming environment where farmers do set up clinics, they look after their workers or their initiatives, but they're not sustainable. I mean, even Clocomela, one of the reasons why we were brought in to do this research was struggling to not necessarily to keep its doors open, but to keep providing the services. So what it does is it allows people to have a solid business model, which means that you can work out what you need for next year. You can predict how many patients you're going to have coming through the door. So how much money do you need for medicines or for services? So it allows people to forward plan and um, rather than just kind of living off whatever they can bring in at the moment and not really knowing what the future will hold. Jackie, what were some of the key findings and insights from this research? So we found actually what was quite interesting was that if you look at the cost of the services that are provided by Clocomela, they were anywhere between 300, 365 rand, which was actually just a little bit less than the cost per visit in a government primary healthcare clinic. Mm. So they're providing these services at a very Sort of cost efficient. efficient. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And so, and they do, they function on a very lean budget. They're very efficient in the way that they do things. Mm. Um, so from that perspective, that was interesting. And, and it's key to, if you want to provide these services, why don't people just go to the local primary healthcare clinic down the road? So that was one component. The other thing that we found, which was really interesting, was why people or patients or farm workers want to access Glocomela rather than going to the Hood Spray Clinic. Because actually, we visited the Hood Spray Primary Healthcare Clinic. It's not a bad place to go. Mm. And what came out very clearly was the perceived quality of care. So more than 45% of the patients who came to Glocomela came because they felt they were getting good quality care. Some of it was convenience. There was a big chunk of convenience as well because they didn't have to travel into town. Yes. So that was really important was that the farm workers felt that they were getting a good deal and they were being well looked after in terms of their health care needs by Glocomela. And that must be um, a very important aspect in ensuring adherence, in ensuring that someone sticks with the program. Very much so, and particularly when you're talking about HIV and staying on an antiretroviral treatment program. Mm. But what I also think that Locomela provides, and we saw this coming out in our research, was lots of acute care. So for a sore toe or a headache or a sore throat. So it wasn't just about I need to stay on my HIV treatment. It was also about there's somebody who can, I can actually go to and say, I've got an ache or a pain and can you help? Yeah. So where to from here?
What should Christine do with this research? How does this inform funded decisions? So I think for Christine, particularly in Chlokomela, they'll be using it and they have already started using some of this information in rolling out a card service that allows the farmers to, to put money into the cards. So that's been one of the outputs from the model. But now we know the amount. This is how yeah. we can plan and allocate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the research was saying to the farmers, what are you willing to pay? How much are you willing to pay? And what was one of the interesting insights was they said, we're very willing to pay, but we want our workers to also contribute. So they need to have mm. some kind of financial input as well. Mm. So for Christine, it's an opportunity. It's, it's, it allows her to forward plan to see where she needs and improve on systems yeah. yeah in terms of taking it out to other areas i suppose it's really a matter of people finding out about it and then deciding if it's something that they want to you know if it's a tool that they want to include as part of their whole business plan and program mm. does it make it easier for funders and donors very much so having worked in this environment for a number of years now if you want to request funding or money you need to show the numbers you need to show what kind of value you're going to be returning um, in the sense of the services that you're offering and if you don't have that information it makes it a lot more difficult to make a compelling case right wow a really transformational initiative thank you so much jackie that's a pleasure So where to from here, Ruth? With what we know now, what does the future bode for sustainable development programs? Well, it gives us so much more information based on that research. We've now, we're now armed with we know what it costs to deliver basic primary health care. We know what the, 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 the NGO requires to enable to do that. And so because we now have the facts we can say, right, so we can go to the employer and say, you know, you're getting, you're deriving benefits from a healthy workforce. Yeah. And so would you be prepared to engage with us on what a contribution you could make? Mm-hmm. Because we know how much it costs to treat your employees when they access our services. So, you know, we're armed with information now. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's credible people who've done this. It's researchers who've done this. And it can be used in other parts. It can be used. It can be applied all over now. You know, Christine can share that information with other healthcare projects working in similar settings. Right. So, you know, it's also the start to collaboration, you know. Thank you so much, Ruth. And Christine, what of the future of Sokomela? You know what? I'm very positive about after you search the cards. And farmers, I mean, we, we went to them now and asked, listen, are you willing to pay for your farm workers? And they are very, they're really willing. And I think also there's social responsibility now. For the first time, I was struggling over the years. It wasn't easy in the, in the beginning. Yeah, but farmers are really very positive and they really want to help. You know, even with maintenance, they're really coming to the party now. Is your hope to grow the program to also take it to other areas that may be struggling? Yes, now I think uh, what we did with IOM, we took the Nompilo project to Musina and to Kumatipurt and Lesotho. So yes, but the problem is the clinic, it depends on your health services. Like people will say, listen, in Western Cape, we don't need that because the service is just too good. Mm. So it depends on, you know, if government is coming to the party, definitely things will change. 
But for the future, for myself, I'm thinking of the NHI, that we can really be a service provider for them. We will have the doctors, and really, if you think of what they think for the future, I think we can be one of the partners. That's a beautiful dream to have. Mm. And may you keep growing from strength to strength as a leader, Christine. And congratulations on the incredible work that you do. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to hear more inspiring content about individuals who've challenged the odds and done what others thought would be impossible, then make sure you listen to our Discover Healthier podcast on the Umtombo Youth Development Foundation. You'll be astounded at how this project has turned rural school children who were destined for working in the mines or for herding cattle into doctors, physiotherapists, dietitians, dentists, optometrists, and other healthcare professionals. Thank you for listening to this episode of Discover Healthier, brought to you by Discovery Health. Join the conversation on social media with the hashtag Discover Healthier and tag at Discovery underscore SA. You can subscribe to our podcast channel, Discovery South Africa, on your favorite podcast app or visit discovery.co.za to listen to our shows.